Blog Talk Radio. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Company's Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Company's Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Several decades ago, a young entrepreneur from humble beginnings started his own pharmaceutical company in his basement with $5,000 of borrowed cash. Mr. Kaufman became a Kansas City business legend, growing the company with solid principles and purpose. He also purchased the Kansas City Royals and noted for his philanthropic efforts. Today, our guest is Jim McGraw, who worked his way up the corporate ladder at what was then Marion Laboratories, a pharmaceutical company that became Marion Marion. Dow, and through subsequent transactions, it became Sanofi. Mr. McGraw eventually became COO of Marion Pharmaceutical, and he also served on the Coffin Foundation Board for 14 years, including as chairman. Today, he's here to talk with us about Mr. K as we celebrate his birthday. Welcome to the show today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. I'm so excited. I never got to meet Mr. Kaufman, and it's one of my biggest regrets, I guess, as a business owner here in Kansas City that I, I kind of came into all of this after he was gone. So I never got to meet him. Well, you would find Mr. K, as we call him, mm-hmm. a very warm, people-oriented person. Yes. He loved being around people. He loved to achieve, and he was very, very success-driven. He very much was. Let's talk about his youth and his inspiration to become an entrepreneur. What can you tell us about that? Well, Mr. K uh, felt very, very strongly in the opportunities of America. As you commented, he started the company with $5,000 of borrowed money. Yes. Well, Mr. K might have been short on cash, but he was long on values. He built the company on three core values. One, treat others like you'd like to be treated. Everybody was viewed as a member of the team. It was never the word I. He hated that word. It was always we, we, we. The associates were viewed as an asset and not a cost. Secondly, he believed strongly in sharing with those who produced the results. Everyone in the company, and I mean everyone, was on a bonus plan, profit-sharing retirement program, stock option program. Third and and not least was his strong conviction that as you have a responsibility to share your success with others. And he did that in many, many ways. One of the anecdotal things I always like to share is the baseball team. Mm-hmm. Most people are too young to remember that horrible gentleman by the name of Finley who moved. <laughs> I remember him. <laughs> there you are. Who moved the scoundrel who moved the team to Oakland <laughs> in the middle of the night. Oh. So Mr. K vowed to obtain a replacement team. And here's how he went about it. He first visited every American League owner and shared with them his financial resources and his commitment to make a expansion franchise a winner. So when that occurred, he definitely made them a winner. He started the Baseball Academy, a Mm -hmm. whole host of things. Again, that's Mr. K's style, be number one, be number one. 
Right. And there's a good lesson for businesses in there. Before he just announced he wanted to buy the team, he went and did his homework, and he he, he lined everybody up so that he ended up with the result he wanted. Mm-hmm. Indeed he did. Indeed. Another example of that was CPR. Yes. One day he came to me and said, Jim, do you realize that more people are trained on CPR in Seattle, Washington, than Kansas City? And I said, whoops. <laughs> and he said, well, I'm going to do something about it. The next thing I knew, we had Royal Stadium filled with all these rubber dummies or whatever you call them, rubber mm-hmm. annies, yep. and everybody's pounding on their chest. And we became the number one city for CPR training. The key point here is it saved lives. Yes. Again, another example of Mr. K always wanting to be number one. Yes, and, and for good reasons, uh, not, not number one for selfish reasons. Let's go back and talk a little bit about his style of leadership. You worked with him uh, on a daily basis. You, mm. you were um, in very close mm. proximity to him. You, you talked about the values he espoused. He actually lived those values. So talk to us about the kind of leadership that was on display with him constantly. What did he expect of people like you, the leaders in his company? Well, he believed in... Uh, democratic style of leadership. He would listen for everybody's input. He realized he had the responsibility to make a decision or to support a decision. Mm -hmm. And he would hear the arguments and clarity would be achieved because by the time the meeting was over, everybody knew what their responsibilities were in achieving the objective and what the objectives were. Clarity of direction. Yes, very clear vision, and he was able to communicate that very well to others, too. And the other key point, uh, as far as Mr. K made a critical decision early on in his career, and that was to no longer be a micromanager that every entrepreneur has to be Mm -hmm. when they first start out, but to transcend into being a macro leader. Macro leader. What does that mean? In other words, he was willing to let go of the day-to-day mm-hmm. operations. He hired people, and he always wanted people smarter than he was because he wanted to build on strength. So by bringing these people on board, like myself and Fred and others, then giving us the, uh, not only the authority and the responsibility to do our thing, to achieve our objectives. And he would stand back and let that happen. What did he look for when he hired his key staff? The first thing we would look for is, first, is the person technically qualified to fill the position. After that, we were looking at what kind of a person are they? Do there, are their values consistent with the company's values? Because if they're not, it's like oil and water. It's not going to mix. Mm-hmm. So that they first had to be qualified and be a, quote, a member of the team. Okay. What was one of your favorite anecdotes about Mr. K? Well... Probably the most favorite antidote. I just had joined the company as president of the pharmaceutical division. Our volume at that time was $50 million, but growing. Mm -hmm. We were building a plant, 550,000 square foot plant on the site, and that was as big as Royal Stadium. Pretty big. (laughs) And I kept on asking me, why so big? So finally, I had the courage to ask Mr. K., I said, Mr. K, regarding this 550,000-square-foot plant, what do you know that I don't know? Dumb question. (laughs) Mr. K's response was, plenty. (laughs) Jim, let's get this straight. My job is to build the plant. Your job is to fill the plant. I had clarity (laughs) of direction. And I'll tell you, this guy was like a dog with a bone. Until the day he died, he constantly reminded me what a great decision it was to build the plant. 
and every time I said thank you for doing so. Yes, and, and you got it filled, that's for sure. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about how, I mean, he, he was a very principled man, and he helped build up other people. He built companies, and he built up people as well. Let's talk about from the early days when there were just a handful of people up to this multi-billion dollar mm -hmm. company that it eventually became. How did he keep that kind of a culture intact, though? It's, it's easy to say these things, but to keep it in practice. The key is make it part of your day-to-day -day operation. Uh, we would do a number of things. Of course, when the company was very, very small, he would have the national sales meetings in his basement. Mm. Well, obviously, as the company grew, that was no longer possible. Right. We found a critical factor for in enhancing culture and maintaining culture was communications. We had a variety of ways of communicating with the associates. Ultimately, we would have the Marion on the Move meetings. These occurred every three months, and at the time of merger, we had about 3,000 associates in Kansas City. What we would do is load them up on school buses, take them downtown to the auditorium, and share with them a crisp 60-minute presentation on what was happening within their company. Afterwards, on the school buses, back to the office, what have you an effective way of sharing with them what's happening so they had the pride of accomplishment, what have you. Very, very effective. Plus, we yeah. would do a host of other types of communication vehicles, mm -hmm. again, to keep the people involved right? so that we had that clarity of direction, clarity of organization. Yes, and they felt ownership then. Here, here. Yes. Plus, they own stock. Yes. And Mr. K would really revel on that. We had the one meeting that we'd have at the end of our fiscal year, he would be awarding stock for the Spirit Suggestion Program. And he was like Almer Gantry. Uh, you're too young to remember him. But, I mean, it was very, very upbeat. He said, so-and-so, you came up with this idea. Here's 4,000 shares of Marion stock. Don't sell it because it's going to triple in value, <laughs> that type of thing. Also, Mr. K would send personal letters to the associates. Congratulations, yeah. job well done. And if their parents were alive, you'd send a letter to their parents. And, boy, those letters went right on the refrigerator door. Oh, you bet they did. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> no question there. Philanthropically, as I mentioned before, he became a legend for that work as well. Um, he started the STAR program, mm -hmm. uh, which eventually became Kaufman Scholars. Is that Correct. morphed into that? Mm -hmm. So talk to us about the things that were near and dear to his heart that he gave to and why. Well, when he started the foundation, he wanted to accomplish a number of things. A lot of social programs were implemented within Kansas mm -hmm. City, Project Choice, as you commented, a host of other things. Then we created the Entrepreneur Division, which was really his first love in a sense because he was an entrepreneur. Right, right. He wanted to do something in the area. So we had a host of business leaders, myself, and three or four other people from the uh, Kauffman Foundation. But the first thing we did was go around the country listening to what was being done in entrepreneurship. We didn't want to do something like everybody else was doing. Right. So therefore, we focused on two areas, skill building to enhance the success for would-be entrepreneurs and entrepreneur awareness. This worked out very, very well. We've trained thousands and thousands of people on skills to become more effective entrepreneurs. One thing I want to go back and trace back to is why he decided to start the company in the first place. There's quite a story there, too. Well, there is. He, he first uh, worked for a company called Lincoln Labs out of Decatur, Illinois. And he was quite successful. In the first year, he earned more money than the president of the company. And he was rewarded by having his territory cut in two. <laughs> yes. The next year, he again sold 
was more successful than the president, and they were going to cut his territory again. He said, that's enough. I'm going to start my own company, and I'm going to build my company on these strong values. And away we went. Right. He he remembered that and, and decided he was never going to do that to anybody himself. The other key thing was that Mr. K believed in listening, yes. listening to the customers. And one day, an orthopedic surgeon in western Kansas wrote him a letter said, when I have a tough case, I send it to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. When they return, they're always carrying a bag of ground-up oyster shells. My question to you, Mr. K, is why don't you put it in a tablet form? Mm -hmm. He did. It was Oscal, yes. the company's first multi-million-dollar product. Yeah, never looked back from there. What do you think are some of the key ingredients for a successful entrepreneur today, especially based on uh, the examples of Mr. Kaufman? First of all, listen to the marketplace, and I always ask four questions. What is the product or service that you're trying to develop? Secondly, what benefits does it offer? Three, what advantages does it offer over competition? And four, who pays for it? Mm. Pretty simple, pretty basic, because if you're trying to develop a product or service that nobody wants, needs, or desires, or unwilling to pay for it, you've got a tragic a lesson ahead of you. Yes, you certainly do. Uh, and hopefully hopefully they'll learn that just from asking the questions and not from actually being in the business. Um, let's talk a little bit now about why you are carrying on Mr. K's legacy. Well, first of all, I love the individual. It was a great thrill to be with him for 30 years. And I think that Mr. K's value system is something to be shared with everyone because they're just as important today as they were years and years ago. So that's one reason why I'm doing it. Plus, it's a lot of fun. It is. It's you know, visiting young people, interacting with them. Uh, they're, they're like a dry sponge. They're looking for these little tidbits of leadership. And one thing that we found at the Kaufman Foundation is that the importance of grit. It's the greatest predictor of success for an entrepreneur. If he or she has the ability to have that courage, the resilience, uh, that stick to itness, mm -hmm. if you will, to carry their idea to fruition. So. Yes, and you do speak uh, quite frequently about grit and about mm -hmm. some of the other. Uh, you've developed some other programs, and and you have um, a, a newsletter yourself, don't That's you? That's right. I put yeah. out a monthly newsletter mm -hmm. uh, called the Reflections. Yes, and for the. Uh, anniversary of Mr. K. I put out a special edition called Reflections on Mr. K, which I've done in the past, to try to again share this message with as many people as possible. Right. What do you think about, uh, you were talking about some of the things that uh, are key foundations for successful entrepreneurs, but what do you think about uh, the world today versus the world in which Mr. K started his company, and I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not getting into politics and things like that no. and, and warfare and so forth, but I'm talking about the marketplace and technology. What do you think of those things? Are they are they enhancements? Do they make it easier or do they make it harder in some ways? Well, regulatory and regulations are a serious challenge to any entrepreneur because the marketplace is so much more complicated yes. today than it was 30, 40, or 50 years ago. So that's just a given. However, in contrast, you have all of these what I call electronic opportunities. Look at the look at the uh, the phenomena that you're seeing in quote the former taxi cab business. Yes, an entrepreneur has created a website, a communication where somebody else provides the factory, 
and he or she collects a certain percentage of the revenue, and really they have very, very little to no in infrastructure. But that's an example of what can be accomplished now with the technology that's available that was not available 50 years ago. Yes. So my suggestion is quit complaining, <laughs> look at the opportunities out there, and get on with your business. Okay. Well, and, and that, I was going to ask you for parting advice. That sounded like some <laughs> oh, great well. parting advice right there. But as we celebrate Mr. K's birthday, his 100th birthday, um, what would you leave our audience with of all of the things that he did and espoused? What would be the thing you would challenge all of our listeners today to emulate? First of all, believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, how in God's name can you expect anyone else to believe in you? Also, be realistic on what you're trying to accomplish. If your idea is lousy, admit it, move on to something new. And, uh, and I think America is filled full of promise today as it was 800, 900 years ago, even though we didn't even exist at that point. But the key there is opportunities abound, providing you're willing to listen and act on your uh, opportunities. Great advice. Where can we find copies of your newsletter? You can find it on uh, leapahead.com, uh, and also just send me a note, uh, just identified as the word reflections, and you'll be put on the mailing list. No charge. No charge. How do they send you a note? Well, again, it's leapahead.com. Yeah, leap with two Ps. Yeah, L-E-A-P-P, -P, leadership, empathy, and the power of persuasion. That's what LEAP stands for. Okay, leapahead.com. Mm -hmm. and, and through that website, they can find yes. your email address. You'll and be able you to know. access the, uh, the past newsletters, current newsletters, uh, synopsis of the presentations, you name it. Okay. It's all there to be seen. Well, thank you for your work, and, and thank you for coming and sharing some of your insights into what made Mr. Kaufman so great and what we can learn from him still today. Thank well, you thank you much. for the opportunity. It, uh, I'm only sorry that Mr. K could not be here this morning. He would love to be with you. Oh, and I, I, would, I would love to talk with him as well. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at IThinkBigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at IThinkBigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.